and welcome to episode two of the brand new Testudo Times podcast. I am your host, Matt, wondering if Maryland's esports team could have truly been heroes of the dorm. We're joined by our friend, the Grand Poobah of Testudo Times, Pete Volk, who clearly got that joke. Hi, Pete. Hi. You know, I, I think uh, not many members of the Testudo Times community know uh, how much of a, an esports person I am. I, play, I was just playing League of Legends with my brother. I had an old roommate who did that, so you must have been hugely interested in Heroes of the Dorm on Sunday night. <laughs> no, I didn't even watch it, to be honest with you. Twitter had an absolute freakout over this. It was amazing. I'm wondering what, if Maryland was in esports, what would be the equivalent of the angry Maryland quarterback hating God in esports? Oh, man. You know, it would be something sick, I tell you. It involved broken fingers. Ooh, that wouldn't be good at all. Uh, we're also joined by Alex Kirshner, who I don't think got any of what we were just talking about. Hi, Alex. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm good. You clearly didn't get what we were just talking about, but it's okay. <laughs> Definitely not. You're, you're okay for it, Alex. You're, you're okay. Uh, Twitter, Twitter had a freak out over something stupid. That's why I ended up live tweeting episodes of To Catch a Predator for a time way back when, and those are incidents that I don't want to relive. Anyway, we'll get to a lot of great things in Maryland sports today, mainly because events conspired with us, instead of against us for once, to have something big break the morning we were recording the show. And of course, I'm talking about Rashid Suleiman, the former Duke guard, being linked to a Maryland transfer. It was rumor, it was spreading a bit before this morning. Alex and I actually talked about it in class. And then Andy Katz tweeted about it, which confirmed that we, in fact, need to talk about it. So I'll start with Pete. Where did this come from? How did Maryland get linked with a Duke player of all things? Well, you know, it starts before all that, before he was at Duke, before Mark Turgeon was at Maryland. Uh, at Texas A&M, he and Dustin Clark recruited Rashid Suleiman pretty heavily there. I mean, he was a very highly regarded prospect, had a very successful career at Duke. I remember one game as a freshman when he absolutely annihilated Maryland. Uh, but he is a very talented player, and, and Turgeon has been aware of that since his high school days. So, since this is happening, we heard about what's happened to Suleiman at Duke. Is that a red flag at all? Because to me, as soon as I heard his name, I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. And I immediately think, well, there are red flags with him. Does Maryland really need to bring him in at this point? I'm actually going to defer to Alex on that because he's uh, writing something about us about this for us, which will be published before the podcast. We'll see all good pump, so pump the, your pieces tires, Alex. He's, uh, he's more familiar with all the details of the situation than I pump your pieces tires, Alex. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on, uh, with Rashid, uh, with Rashid Suleiman. And I think any program that <clears throat> agrees to take Rashid Suleiman, um, needs to understand that it's not only adding uh, a pretty talented player to its backcourt, uh, but it's also adding a community member to its university. Um, and, you know, the University of Maryland has, I think, to its credit, been pretty progressive in at least trying to modernize how it deals with um, issues of, of sexual violence and things of that nature that any college needs to take seriously and that a lot of colleges haven't taken seriously in the past. Um, how is this relevant to Rashid Suleiman? Um, it may be or it may not be. Um, the Duke Chronicle, the student newspaper in Durham, uh, did run a report earlier this spring uh, that noted that Suleiman had been accused a couple of times, twice, um, of sexual assaults on campus there. Um, now, the thing is that there was no kind of 
judicial proceeding from that, neither in local law enforcement uh, or in the university's judiciary internally. So, you know, we can't really draw any conclusions whatsoever um, other than to say that it's obviously concerning that these kinds of news reports come out. Um, obviously, Rashid Suleiman has not been uh, even close to found guilty of doing anything wrong. Um, and so I, I want to be very careful about what I say. But at the same time, um, Maryland does not know. I, I wouldn't think that Maryland uh, has any kind of avenue to knowing what the details are in his case and knowing if he actually is um, what he has been painted to be, um, at least in these reports that we've seen recently. So um, all I'll say is that I, I think Maryland, if they wound up bringing on Rashid Suleiman, would obviously be getting a really good basketball player, um, albeit one who has not improved at all over his first couple of, over the last two years at Duke. Um, he, he seems like he's honestly kind of flatlined a bit, even when you look at his per 40 minute stats, um, his minutes loads have declined, but he's still a pretty talented guy, um, even though his points totals have gone from like 12 to 10 to eight over over three years. So he's a good player. Um, he could probably help Maryland a lot on the court, um, but I, I would think that Mark Turgeon uh, should be really, really careful um, if he's going to go down this line. I'll start with you, Alex. And- Throwing the out sorry, of, that was a off, long-winded way of putting. Oh, it. don't worry. I, you're <laughs> dealing with me. You're dealing with me. I deal in long-winded answers all the time. So we'll put the off-the-court stuff aside for the moment. If he does come here, what does he bring on the court? Well, I mean, he brings a couple of things. I mean, he brings shooting, uh, which Maryland doesn't have any short supply of as is. Um, he's always been uh, a pretty good three-point shooter, and he's been at 40% or better each of the last two years. So he's got that. Um, he brings kind of that slashing, stupid athleticism that Maryland will lose with Des Wells, um, and he brings a bit of that. Um, I think he he's had a couple of issues. Uh, his free throw shooting has regressed pretty badly over the years. He's not an ace kind of rebounder or you know an outstanding playmaker or anything like that. But he's very athletic and he can shoot and he can space the floor. Um, and obviously, he can play for Maryland either the two guard uh, or a small forward. So, I mean, he'd be good. He'd, be, he'd definitely be helpful. I think he's better than Damian Lee, who Maryland almost got uh, out of Drexel last week and obviously didn't. Um, so on the court, I mean, he, he'd, be, he'd be definitely an asset, although I think maybe he'd be dominating the ball a little bit more than Maryland prefers, given some of the other options there. Pete, I was about to say this. Uh, since Maryland missed out on Damian Lee, and we didn't, and we said that Damian Lee was more of a kind of a luxury addition. Maryland didn't need him, but it would have been nice to have him. Are we saying the same with Suleiman? Uh, sure. I think at a, at any point here. I mean, Maryland is already a top five team, no matter what, going into next season. So anything you add to this, I mean, you'd like to add something just for depth, but the way they're set up right now looks pretty great uh, from here. But I, I would say with Suleiman, adding to what Alex said, you know, it is interesting looking at his trajectory because his first year he was like, oh, that's a really good freshman. And then the second year he got a little bit better. And then his junior year he got significantly worse, uh, worse than his freshman year. So it's kind of a weird thing to look at. And I think he's, he's maybe a more talented player than Damian Lee, but he's certainly a riskier uh, take. Uh, your best friend, uh, Pete, Jeff Ehrman, had a good tweet from earlier today. He says, uh, Mark Turgeon has a potential Final Four team. Hard to believe he'd take what he considers a major risk in that spot. He's known Suleiman for years. Do you agree with that? Um, 
Well, you know, I agree with Jeff on a lot of things. We went to <laughs> high school together. Uh, we are friendly. So, it's a, it was a joke. It was a okay. joke. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think that Suleiman is an interesting uh, look. And, and Mark Turgeon, looking at it from a purely basketball standpoint, I don't, you know, even excusing the other things, which you can't separate. Um, you know, if it were me, I would not take Suleiman. I would try and get someone else uh, in terms of a smaller conference guy, the kind of guy like Rashad Pack, who came in last season and really uh, proved to help bring some experience to the team without maybe some of the drawbacks. Um, I think that Mark Turgeon, knowing him, uh, knowing the kind of decisions he's made before and the kind of players he's brought in, I'd probably say I expect Maryland to end up with him just because they're the only name tied to him so far. But um, I'd wait it out a bit before seeing. Alex, what, I mean, I think, what do you I think? think it's important to note that, uh, you know, he would be a luxury addition. Um, and the idea... Um, that you know, you, you see Maryland's pieces now, and you see the young guards that they have, like Jared Nickens and Deion Wiley, and obviously Trimble. Um, I don't think that um, adding Suleiman would be more of that. Um, you know, I don't want to get into specifics about college athletes whose thought processes I don't know. Um, but if Rashid Suleiman comes to Maryland, um, I would expect that somebody from that backcourt, particularly a shooting guard, uh, probably winds up leaving, based on, on what I understand to be. Uh, the internal dynamic there. So I, I think that um, if Maryland really wants to load up for a year um, and and you know kind of just throw everything into the middle, uh, put all you know push all the chips in, uh, you know Suleiman would be a really good player. Um, I think there's a very good chance that his presence would result in somebody not being around in the future who might be at Maryland for two or three more years. So we'll end this little discussion with. A question that I'm going to ask a lot on this show. Do you think this is going to happen? You can give a percentage however you want. So I'll start with you, Alex. Do you think that Rashid Suleiman will be playing basketball for Maryland come November? Um, I'd say 50-50. I don't really know. Um, you know, Generally, you know, recruiting coverage isn't exactly my thing. Um, but like Pete said, they're the only name that's been explicitly mentioned that I've heard so far. Um, and it, you know, if you're recruiting him, and that means you know you seem you're willing to take him, so I'd say about fifty-fifty. Pete, what do you think? I'll, I'll go with sixty-forty on a take, um, mostly because it's my job to write about these things, and that would be a headache, and so the bad thing will probably happen. Ah, uh, well, don't you think it would be more interesting for narratives if Maryland won the national title with a Duke transfer as a guard? Don't you think <laughs> I, it would be good? I think I'd be happy with the national title narrative. <laughs> I think I'd be you too, but I would just add a little bit more spice to it. Speaking of spice in Maryland basketball seasons, especially since this one wasn't already going to be fun enough, now Maryland's playing Georgetown for the first time since before I was born, I think. When was the last time Maryland played Georgetown in the regular season in men's basketball? I don't have the stat in front of me. Pete, do you know? Uh, I don't, but I know it was a long, long time ago. It was be probably before I was born. It was probably before Alex was born. So... Finally, because of the Gavit games and the spirit of Dave Gavit brings, of course, goodwill and memories of better times in college basketball when it wasn't when it wasn't filled with ACC teams, uh, Big Ten teams, uh, Big East teams in the ACC. Excuse me. So the Gavit games are bringing Georgetown and Maryland together, and not just this year. Next year, they're going to play this year at Xfinity Center. Next year at Verizon Center. Uh, Pete, what does this mean for Maryland athletics as a whole? Because we've been heard for years that we're not going to schedule any games against Georgetown in any sport until it happens in men's basketball. And now it's happened in men's basketball. Well, I think it's fantastic. You know, it's, it's Maryland's best opportunity in obviously non-football sports for a local rival, uh, excluding Johns Hopkins and lacrosse. 
and the ability to play Georgetown and other sports, which they have played every once in a while. Um, but men's basketball specifically, it's great. You know, those two teams fight over the same recruits, and it comes at an absolute perfect time for Maryland because Georgetown's kind of stagnant at the moment, and Maryland is shooting up. Um, and so this is a very good opportunity for the program to play their big-time local rivals twice, maybe beat up on them a bit, and uh, establish firmly their local profile. What do you think about this, Alex? Does this have the resonance of a rivalry or a developing rivalry for you? Because that's been a buzzword ever since Maryland moved to the Big Ten was rivalry. There are none. Yeah, um, I think it, it could be uh, fun. I don't know that there's really a whole lot of animosity at this stage between the student bodies of Maryland and Georgetown. Um, but I think it could be a fun game, I think, especially in a couple of years. I mean, Georgetown always recruits a little bit, but, you know, they graduated, I think, four seniors um, who all played a lot last year. And, you know, they had some freshmen in their rotation who will get better. Um, they'll have Devonta Smith-Rivera next year. So next year's game could be okay. Um, but I think, you know, if the two programs grow together um, and they both wind up sticking in and around the top 25 for a long time and they can play a regional game every year, I mean, that's the kind of thing that could definitely be a lot of fun. Um, but I, th I think it would probably be silly to say that just because they're playing basketball now, suddenly Maryland and Georgetown are going to be the new Duke and North, Duke and North Carolina. Um, but it could, be, it could be a good series. It could be a series that you know, provokes some regional intensity and, and all that fun stuff. It could be fun. You see fans of both teams going to each other's arenas, particularly Maryland going to Verizon Center. But I, I think, well, when I think of Maryland and Georgetown, I think of the soccer game a couple of years ago uh, where Maryland lost in penalties. That wasn't fun. But uh, when you look at this, when you look at this as a whole, Pete, do you think Maryland and Georgetown has the potential to be a somewhat combustible early season rivalry? Because obviously they're not going to play in conference. They're not going to play towards the end of the year unless they somehow meet in the tournament. Do you think that's got the potential to be a good rivalry, a good way to open up a season every year? If it goes beyond two years, certainly. Um, you know, currently this is within the the format of a tournament, so. You know, they're not going to play them in the tournament forever. I hope it opens the door for future scheduling opportunities, but because there aren't that many out-of-conference serious rivalries. So when you're going with early season stuff, there's not as big competition as when you get on to the later season. So I think if you start playing this game five years, six years, then it can really turn into something of national importance. You think, well, it doesn't really have much of it now. Alex, do you agree with that? Uh, sure. I mean, I think anytime you put two programs of a similar ilk who are separated by, what, like 10 miles or something, um, and you make them play each other a whole bunch of times, I think something will naturally come up. Um, but I, I just think it's important not to force these things. Yeah, well, we've tried that before, and uh, that happened with Penn State. Well, has Maryland still lost to Penn State in anything yet? Uh, yeah, they lost a few games uh, in some of the team sports here and there. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Then we can't continue the Maryland has never lost to Penn State thing. That was fun. I enjoy it. Well, Maryland has lost to Penn State in anything that matters, quote-unquote. Well, everything matters, but in stuff that really matters. Anyway, uh, we'll move on to football. There's a couple of news and notes for terms of transfers, both of them running back transfers. Maryland and transfers, they go together very well. Uh, Albert Reed and Jaquiel Vey are both going to transfer out, seeing as they have a lot of uh, rungs on the ladder to climb up if they were going to get any considerable playing time. Uh, Pete, is this a big loss? We saw a bit of Jaquiel Vey last year. Albert Reed, I remember being a bigger factor a couple of years ago. Is this any sort of big loss, or is it just Maryland losing some depth that they otherwise would have been nice to have? But, you know, they've had guys ahead of them, Brandon Ross, et cetera. You know, it, you know, it, is, it is a loss because Maryland had four running backs 
who could conceivably be competing for those top two spots, and now they have two. Um, so, you know, at least there's clarity at the position, but, you know, the downside is you do lose some explosiveness with Jaquiel Vey, who I think is the much bigger loss of the two, especially considering he had more eligibility. Actually, no, they both had two seasons left. Um, but they, I think, I think we, did good. Reed get a medical redshirt? He did, yeah. Okay. Um, so I expect both of them to end up at the Division One FBS level. They're both very talented running backs. Reed was a highly touted recruit out of friendship. Um, but it makes sense for both of them. You have Brandon Ross and Wes Brown, as I thought, I think were very clearly the favorites. Reed's carries plummeted drastically last year. Vey had switched to wide receiver. Um, so those are the two guys, and you, you do still have two guys behind them. Joe Riddle, who's spent most of his career on the scout team, will probably take up the third back spot. We might see him get some carries. But true freshman Ty Johnson, YouTube sensation. I mean, this clears up the path for him to maybe get some playing time as a freshman. And if he's, you know, one one-hundredth of as good as his highlight tape is, Maryland's in for a treat. That sounds like fun. Alex, what do you think? Um, I mostly agree with what Pete said. I mean, I think Albert Reed, um, despite being pretty uh, touted as a recruit, did almost nothing over three years at Maryland. He wasn't a major contributor. Um, I think as a sophomore, he, he ran for like four yards a carry or 4.2, and that was a career high. I and mean, he had like two touchdowns that year, um, maybe three touchdowns that year. So he's not um, he, he's not a, a serious loss for Maryland. I think they could be just for what he could have been uh, and what he could be elsewhere. But um, it's true that they was never going to start in Maryland, um, at least not until next, until the season after this one. Um, he's not a great wide receiver. He, he has a bit of a drops problem, uh, and he's not really big enough to be – the kind of between-the-tackles runner that Wes Brown or Brandon Ross is. Um, so, you know, the losses of depth always hurt, uh, but I don't think either of these things are going to be all that consequential, especially because Vey, um, though he was back at running back, he was kind of a hybrid type between a running back and a receiver, and uh, Maryland's got like 45 receivers. Yeah. So um, I don't think either of these things is going to really change Maryland's win-loss record. I was about to say that Vey would have even more to get through to play a wide receiver than he did uh, at running back. Even last year, he didn't play all that much at, at wide receiver considering all of the depth losses that Maryland had. There's one other transfer. Zach Dansell uh, is transferring the defensive back. Any thoughts on him transferring? Maryland's well, se- secondary doesn't have quite the depth that they have at the skill positions. And especially at safety. You know, you have Anthony Nixon and A.J. Hendy up there. And after that, there's a lot of question marks. I, I think the hope is that maybe Juco transfer Denzel Conyers is able to step in for Dansell. Um, as the backup there for Hendy. Um, but if one of the younger players, Milan Collins, Elvis Denna, if one of those guys could step up, because we haven't been able to see them play at all due to injuries and scout team responsibilities and whatnot, um, that would be very comforting because the future at safety for Maryland is a gigantic question mark. Alex? Yeah. yeah, no, I agree with what he said. I think that um, my, I guess Dan Sell must not have had a great spring. Uh, because it seemed pretty likely that he was going to play at safety this year um, with Sean Davis at cornerback. You know, last year when when Davis played cornerback, um, Dan Sell was the guy who replaced him at safety. Obviously, A.J. Hendy being back from suspension probably played into that. Um, I would think that Hendy beat him out. Uh, and that makes sense because Hendy's been around a while, and he's a pretty athletic guy. Um, yeah, he was I mean, a four-star recruit. He was yeah, the he, one from that he, transition he, class. He's made some splash plays for Maryland. Um, I remember a really nice uh, pick six he had. 
against West Virginia the year before he got suspended. Um, he's pretty good over the top, which was a huge, huge problem for Maryland last year. Um, Dan Sell was more of a run stopper. So I think maybe with Maryland being in a 4-3 defense, they didn't need a run stopping safety like Dan Sell to come into the box so much. Um, so, you know, this too, I mean, you know, it depth, definitely it's a loss of depth, um, but I don't think it's going to appreciably change anything, at least for 2015. Well, as, as Pete has already proven to be more negative than Alex or I could ever be with his creeping <laughs> thoughts of four and eight, I'm going to have to find a way to take the negativity mantle away from you. I'll trust me. We'll have enough shows where I'll find a way. So we asked you, the great readers of Testudo Times, for questions for this show, and we got a couple of them, surprisingly, but that's good. We'll hopefully get more in the near future. Uh, Jake Nazar writes in with the most important question that we're ever going to be asked on this show, and it's the first one, is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, I've made my thoughts clear on this. It's, I know you it's have. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's yes. Alex, you, you're usually more of the measured one. I mean, and since I'm the measured one, I think you have to take the analytical approach here. Is it meat? Is it meat between two pieces of bread? Absolutely. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where else you can go other than to confirm that it is indeed a sandwich. Next question. Follow-up question: Is it sauce or gravy? Oh, sauce. I I'm not touching that one. Yeah. I, guess I figured it depends you, on the meal. I, I, I figured you would. I'm going to make sure that my Twitter feed doesn't hear any of this conversation because they might go crazy about that. Anyway, uh, two more serious questions, I think we should say. Uh, N. Armstrong and the comments of the, of the um, Maryland Minute this morning. Is Dwayne Haskins going to commit? I think that that's a pretty open question at this point. We, we talked about that a bit in the last show. I, I think he was going to Rutgers now. He's going Signing to commit up. somewhere. Well, yes. He's, well, I assume he meant, is he going to commit to Maryland? Uh, I still think so, yeah. Okay, Alex. Alex? Um, I think so, because Pete thinks so. Ah, you got to follow that up. All right, and he had another question. Is the movement still alive at well? Uh, the movement is Dwayne Haskins, so yeah. Oh, okay, so as long as Dwayne Haskins commits, the movement still goes. And uh, I think we also mm -hmm. have another question. Reborn 579, we talked about this a bit last week. Who will be Maryland's starting quarterback this fall? I think we said it's Caleb Rowe by default, unless something changes. Has anything changed yet? Uh, no. Man, I really wish it was like Everett Golson, but I'm going to say <laughs> Everett Golson. We also wish one of the Ohio State quarterbacks could transfer, but that's not happening either, unfortunately. That would have been, been nice. We talked about uh, Rashid Suleiman and a, good, and a really important question, too. Good question. Do we still have space for the Harrison twins? <laughs> uh, on the football team, definitely. We got tons of scholarship room. And there's actually there is an A Harrison on Maryland's women's basketball team as well. That, right. Well, there you go. That's good. So now I'm going to ask a question of my own since the NFL draft is coming up on Thursday. Maryland has a couple of players who could be drafted. One of the most notable one is Stephon Diggs. I'm very interested to see where he goes. I'm praying he goes to Jacksonville, which means that they can't draft Amari Cooper at number three, but that's beside the point. Uh, do you have any preferred destinations for Stephon Diggs? And if the answer is Baltimore, then you don't really have to say anything. Uh, I don't really. I, I mean, I want him to get in a situation where he has a good quarterback, a good offensive line, and a pass-happy offense. I just want him to have well, a Well, that would be Jacksonville. I'd I like mean, him there. And I... I don't have an NFL team, so it's just I want him to be in a good situation. Well, look, I would say um, there are probably eight NFL teams, something around there, that have really good quarterbacks, right? I mean, you've got 
Uh, and, and I'd even I'd even include locally, you know, I, I guess you could say that Joe Flacco is a decent quarterback because um, he's, you know, because he's, you know, he's been out. But, you know, other than that, um, it's really Brady, Manning, Rogers, Roethlisberger, Breeze. Who else? I mean, there aren't that many. Um, I would love him to wind up on one of those teams. Russell Wilson. Um, I would love him to be on one of those teams. Um, I'm sure that Stefan Diggs is going to be drafted in the second or third round. And the reason I'm sure of this, um, I don't know if either of you ever talked to Stefan Diggs. This, this guy yeah. is like, in terms of charm and, and just general like personability when talking to others, um, I'm imagining that Stefan Diggs in his pre-draft interviews was dynamite. I, I can't imagine that there were very many prospects who did better in pre-draft interviews than Stefan Diggs. Um, I think, I think that somebody's going to like him. Um, and even though it's a wide receiver heavy draft, I think Diggs is somewhere around the 10th best receiver in it. Um, I'm thinking third round for the guy. I would love him to wind up in a situation where um, I'm also there's a, a legitimate quarterback to throw him the ball. And there aren't that many good quarterbacks in the NFL, but every single one of them is about 50 times better than anything he ever experienced uh, in College Park. Blake Bortles is better than what he experienced in College Park. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. saying. Just saying. <laughs> Alex, you Alex, didn't want to say Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh? Well, I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd love to see him play for my hometown NFL team. Um, problem with Pittsburgh is that they have Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant. Um, so, you know, the ceiling there is pretty much to be a number three target. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I, like I said, I think, I think any team that has one of those elite quarterbacks, and the Steelers would be among those teams, um, would be a great place for him. And Bill Belichick was at Maryland's Pro Day, so who knows? Although Stephon Diggs is a little bit more talented than I think New England prefers its receivers to be. That, that, that might be true. Pete, do you think you could have, could have success, success immediately, immediately as, as a returner, returner in the NFL? In the NFL? Sure. sure, yeah. You know, if he's healthy, he can pretty much do anything. He's fast, he's quick, he has great reflexes just in terms of his instincts of where to plant and he's he's an incredible player i mean i was, I was watching more of his tape today while while writing about uh his path to the draft and uh he's i mean he's a special talent i'm really excited to see what he can do at the next level and I'm, i wonder what happened with him on returns because he was like a 29 yard return average um his first year and then he went down to like i think 24 each of the last two years and he had yeah. two touchdowns the first year and then nothing the last two there was there was something I believe about uh, his decision making with regards to when to fair catch and when not to. I remember um, coach was a bit frustrated with that, and I think that's why Will likely enter the picture. Yeah, so I was wondering that a couple of times. And also, there are other prospects. It's not just Stephon Diggs. I think Darius Kilgo, a couple of others. Uh, where do you see those guys going if they're going to be seventh round on UDFA guys? Is Maryland signed uh, Maryland? The Jaguars signed a former Maryland linebacker whose name escaped me a couple of years ago. But anyway, uh, where could some of the uh, other Maryland seniors who are not named Stephon Diggs end up being drafted? I think that the the guys with the best shot are Darius Kilgo, Dion Long, and Yana Cujo Virgil. I can't imagine anyone else, Alex. Do you think any? I, I mean, yeah. Guys, I mean, I think no, I think what you're saying. I think Kilgo, Kilgo has a shot. I think Dion Long has a chance, but it's such a wide receiver heavy draft. Um, and he's seventh round, and Kujo Virgil had a strong combine. That's the only. Yeah, reason. yeah. I mean, I I think so. Um, the one guy who I, I obviously just love to see um, get a chance, just because he's he's such a good story and such a hardworking guy, um, is Andre Monroe. Yeah. Um, he's not going to get drafted. I mean, he's, no, he's five. Sure he'll he's get a chance but, in camp. Yeah, but I think some team will take a flyer on him just because of how prolific he was in college, um, and I think he could be surprising uh, somewhere. I mean, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that some NFL coach is going to commit a roster spot to 
like a guy who's let's be honest i mean he's really like a five nine five ten defensive end yeah. um but he absolutely dominated the consensus best tackle in the draft when they yeah. played each other when i when he played brandon scherf in iowa back in the fall i, do I remember mean he that. crushed them he, he he handed him his lunch the entire day it was it was a remarkable thing um didn't he do it against donovan smith too he did yeah yeah i mean he those were two of his best games of the year um and he you know he even was passably good against stanford in that bowl game that was just yeah. such a disaster for maryland i mean he he produced um and he did it for three years and he probably should have had a fourth year of eligibility um if maryland had found a way to get that um but obviously it didn't happen yes uh quickly where do we what round do you think kilgo could be drafted in seventh something like that yeah, it would have to be the seventh, I would I think. Yeah, I mean, someone could reach for him in the fifth, but I imagine it's the seventh. I mean, he has the frame. I mean, he looks like an NFL nose tackle. It's just he doesn't quite have, I think, some of the quickness. Right. Well, somebody is going to reach. There are always reaches in the NFL draft that will painfully overanalyze because it's the NFL draft. And what else are we going to talk about on Saturday? We're not going to talk about the Kentucky Derby, are we? Anyway, that has been great to have you on this second episode. Thank you for sending in questions. We really appreciate it. Show will be up on SoundCloud. Hopefully, we'll be up on iTunes if I can get it to work. Bear with me. You're dealing with a newbie with all of this tech stuff. I apologize if you hear any technical inconsistencies and some of the stuff from the last show. But thank you, Pete, for joining us. It's been good to have you again. Always a pleasure, Matt. And Alex, same with you. Thanks, Matt. We will see you guys on the next show, whenever that is. Hopefully, events will conspire, so we will have something to talk about then, too. See you guys then, and go Terps.